God is calling his people back to spirit and truth worship, for his people to have a hunger restored for truth, his word, holiness, uh, repentance, the proclamation of the gospel, keeping his law again. And at the same time, a hunger for his Holy Spirit, the, the fact that we need his spirit to demonstrate the love of God, to demonstrate the power of God, to demonstrate the kindness of God as Yeshua, as Jesus demonstrated. That's why people wanted what he had, the living waters he had. Now, there's a new movie coming out, the American Gospel follow up. Today, I want to watch it with you. We're going to look at it, get our first impressions, just kind of react to it, uh, chat about it as it's playing. And um, I think that they're trying to to explore a more balanced outlook and perspective of what I believe God is desiring to do. But let's see how they're going about it, how they do, and so forth. So welcome, grab some popcorn, and let's get into it. So with Reading, our, you know, our three major economic engines are tourism, methamphetamine, and, you know, marijuana, the drug culture. And you have to begin this story with Bethel Church, right? And then Bethel Church. Bethel Church is known globally. People come to Bethel from all over the nation and the world for healing. They say that the, the anointing is stronger here. A couple who attends Bethel Megachurch in Reading is getting national attention for asking Christians to pray for the resurrection of their two-year-old daughter who died unexpectedly. We have a biblical precedent. Jesus raised the dead. So I went to Bethel School Supernatural Ministry, uh, did three years there, so it's a three-year program. The leaders of this movement claim to be apostles and prophets with extraordinary authority, miraculous powers. Some people locally call it the Christian Hogwarts. They charge tuition to teach you how to use or even receive the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, well, just something on that. I mean, I'm all for teaching people the gifts of the spirit, just just say that, you know, because at least that is what Yeshua did do. He was teaching his disciples the gifts of the spirit. And what I mean by that is uh, they were taught, discipled in how to use those things according to the father's will and heart. Paul even writes to us and instructs us on the gifts of the spirit. So in of itself, there's nothing wrong with teaching someone about the gifts of the spirit. Uh, but yeah, let's, let's watch on before I say anything further. They are part of a movement called the New Apostolic Reformation. This NAR thing is basically a conspiracy theory. Yeah, the NAR is a real thing. It's not a conspiracy theory. The way it is described doesn't exist. I see an unbelievable hypercriticism. This conspiracy theory was adopted by heresy-hunting evangelicals well, you know, and I think this is fair to bring up, you know, someone like Dr. Michael Brown, who I do respect, you know, as seen as a, you know, he's a scholar and he is a seen, sees himself and describes himself as a charismatic. Um, and he is lumped in, right, with all of the other charismatics, even some who are more questionable. In every movement, you will find people who are questionable in what they're doing. And you know, when you look at the charismatic movement, there's certainly been a lot of strange 
things that have happened because of this imbalance, because there is this focus on the Holy Spirit, focus on miracles, focus on uh, the gifts of the Spirit. Focus, and, and a lot of the things, some of it is good, um, but then there's there's a lack of focus on some of the things that the other side uh, has, right? The truth, the hunger for holiness and the hunger for doing things right, following protocols. And, and so... You know, it's easy to point a finger and, and, and even may I even say it's easy to begin this trailer with Bethel Church, a, a controversial church, right? A church that has engaged in questionable things in the past. Fine, right? Let's just get that out of the way. But it's easy to bring up these things. Uh, but then really, are we engaging with the deeper questions and issues or do we do we throw out some extreme situations because Bethel Church is, a, is an extreme situation like they don't represent the majority belief of people who actually hunger to see the Holy Spirit work in their lives and see the spiritual gifts. Not everyone who wants spiritual gifts and to walk in spiritual gifts are, are thinking about the world exactly like Bethel Church teaches teaches and does think about the world. But yet it's easy to lump everyone into that category so that we can say, well, they're all like that. And that's why that's our excuse for not listening to anything they have to say. And that's what Michael, doc, uh, Dr. Michael Brown has, has been, uh, how he's been targeted. And that's why it's easy to call him a false prophet because you don't really take the time instead though to listen to what he has to say. And uh, just for the record, before I go on, I'm not... Um, Typically, you know, I believe in the Holy Spirit uh, moving, moving today. I believe in the spiritual gifts today. I believe he wants to use people today. I am a continuationist. I am not a cessationist. Uh, I am, however, not typically in the traditional charismatic circles. And this is just where I am, where the Father has me right now. It's not there. So I'm, I'm pretty much sitting in the middle, looking at this, looking at that. And, and that's just where I'm sharing my thoughts from here with you today. So let's go. Endless people damning us to eternal hell fire. I mean, here I am as an apologist, finding myself confused by this movement. My own home church uh, was decimated by NAR teaching and the church never really fully recovered from that. I'm painted as a leader in NAR and I don't believe any of those things. We've seen a lot of pain come out of this movement. It was the first time I feel like I truly understood the gospel. And I was sold such a cheap bill of goods. This movement impacts Christianity at every fundamental doctrine of the faith. Standing in the office of the prophet of God. Okay, second example being brought up is Mr. Kenneth Copeland. I just, I'm sorry, but come on, man. Like, why do you bring, if, you, if we want to have dialogue and conversation about the Holy Spirit, why are we starting it all off with bringing with the recorded examples of people who almost like almost no one is is like, yeah, Kenneth Copeland is going to be our leader and who we follow as our witness of what it should look like to walk in the Holy Spirit. Like, yeah. Now, how are we supposed to know whether an individual is a prophet? I execute judgment on you, COVID-19. I had to come to the terms that I was not a prophet and I was also a false prophet. This is the sash that I received uh, the night I was released as an apostle. 
So if somebody were to say to you in the ancient world, I'm an apostle, the immediate question would be, well, who sent you? When a church changes its leadership structure to apostles and prophets, what follows is all this aberrant theology behind it. Hold up. I, wait, wait, wait. No, I mean, where does the idea of, 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 of prophets and apostles as offices in the church come from? That was not invented by Bethel Church or anyone. That, was, that is straight from this New Testament. Uh, Paul writes to us and he says there are offices of teachers, right? Pastors, teachers and shepherds, um, apostles, prophets, gifts of healing, serving, and many other. There are many other things that God has called his people to. And and so I look, I, I'm not for like, hey, I'm going to. Like using it as a title, I, personally, I you know I, I don't believe that's edifying. However, there's nothing wrong with recognizing that there are roles in the body and that there are offices in the body that has been given to us. So there's not necessarily something wrong with with recognizing that there are these offices. The problem is when it becomes a pride issue. Uh, and we use it to exalt ourselves. She came up, you know, manifesting her laughter, <laughs> acting intoxicated. Why are we using another example of just strange behaviors? I guess I'm just trying to figure out what is the objective of this movie so far, because right now it just seems like a criticism of strange um, behaviors in the spirit. And, and and that's fine if that is what it's if it wants to be. But it's certainly not then a, 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 a real discussion about, you know, what is things supposed to look like when we start off the video with what it's just no good example of what it should look like, you know. This goes back to April of 1993 when Rodney Howard Brown was visiting the Carpenters Church in Lakeland, Florida. <laughs> He's also known as the father of holy laughter. Build, 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 build. And the Holy Ghost bartender. But I yeah, and you, you know, I, I just as I'm, I'm thinking about all of this, I, I think that, you know, the reason like we have this, is I think there's, there's value here in that, you know, we have to recognize that there has been so much strangeness, right, done throughout time about in regards to Holy Spirit revivals and, and, and some of it has been authentic. You know, even strange things can be authentic. You know, when the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2, they spoke in tongues, and, and there were people who said these people are drunk for doing so. They thought it to be very strange. So just because something looks strange doesn't mean it's necessarily a counterfeit. But at the same time, there has been strange things that, you know, I don't believe was the Holy Spirit, but was demonic manifestations. And we didn't have the discernment to realize that and cast out the demon. And so now we... We have a skepticism, and, and that's that's warranted. But I guess the question now is, is what will we do with that skepticism? Will we use that skepticism as our excuse to escape the authentic and make excuses for the authentic? Or will we use it to drive us to find out what the authentic is? Because, you know, we're talking about things so far in this show, I mean, shown things are really old news. And, and I think that it's important for us to to look forward to what does God want to do and show his people now. Uh, it's easy to take our hurts and say um, um, what well, we don't want, and that's good. Like we want, don't want to re repeat the mistakes of the past, but let's also go and say, Father, but what does the authentic look like? I want you to know tonight the bar is open. 
If you were to be in the immediate presence of Christ, you, you wouldn't have a laughing revival. Do you not know our history? There's incidences of it happening under Finney, First and Second Great Awakening. This happened when Pentecost came to Canada. A bizarre religious phenomenon called the Toronto Blessing. This is where you go to catch the fire, the fire of the Holy Spirit. There was laughter, there was joy, there was drunkenness in the Spirit. There's no biblical precedent for being drunk in the Holy Spirit. These things are not novel. And that made the Toronto Blessing incredibly controversial, even within charismatic circles. And I believe that the fruit of what happened vindicates that it was of God. But just what is revival? They've soft-pedaled God's warnings, have made the reality of hell a fairy tale. The Brownsville Revival was the most sacred, glorious work I've ever been a part of in, in my life. We are not just bad people, we are sinners. Every single night, Jesus was exalted in worship. And until you realize you're a sinner, you will not realize you need a savior. Every single night, calling for repentance from sin. But revivalism is when man tries to manufacture that. At any moment, revival could come. Bring revival! Revival is just around the corner. You're constantly chasing after it. And so I thought, well, I don't want to miss the next revival. And what if it comes in a manner that we're not used to seeing and we miss well, it? Pastors orchestrated first revival. You cannot plan a revival any more than you can plan a hurricane. And this thing just kind of spread all over the world. I remember in 1996, we had guys from Toronto come to India. And so in Mumbai, we had something called Catch the Fire. Bill Johnson says he caught the fire and he came back to ready. I believed it was God, so I'm taking the seatbelts off. I'm jumping head first. I was ready. I had my hands up. I was like, today's the day. I'm about to fall out in the spirit. Here it goes. And they hit my stomach and nothing happens. And I'm like, do it again. Do I think some people... Right, so, you know, I have a friend too who, who went to stand in front and he was waiting for, to fall over. The guy, come, Patrick, comes and touches him and everyone else has fallen over. So he comes to him and he touches him and, and nothing happens. And it's like, and I remember my friend, he was like, well, did I do something wrong? Like, he felt like God was removing himself from him because he didn't fall over like everyone else did. Uh, you know, when we make a... It would chase after that experience and that experience becomes the model and the example of that's what it looks like to have a relationship with God. Things just become strange. When we start many creating these these weird doctrines about what experience means in the kingdom, instead of realizing that God often moves in very different ways with people and and so when we try and reproduce re, let me say, like use the word they used, manufacture uh, that experience instead of letting the Holy Spirit just do what he does. Yeah, we get we get on strange ground. God in the flesh. Let's get the fun back into church. I thought this is the Holy Spirit and this is how he moves. More Lord. The Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, when we pray for people to be to be touched by the Holy Spirit, they start manifesting demons because demons really don't like the Holy Spirit. And then, you know, what has happened is we didn't know what to do with that because we didn't even recognize that it was a demon. And so the pe person is running down the aisles 
like a chicken with no head and <laughs> uh, uh, in the way that, you know, there's a manifestation, someone barking like a dog, right? Strange, strange, strange manifestations that aren't of the spirit. And then, you know, we don't recognize the demonic nature of it. So we don't cast out the demon and we may say, more Lord, more Lord, more Lord. But sometimes it's not, no, cast out the demon instead because that wasn't the Holy Spirit. And that needs to be recognized as well. <laughs> the question is, is what is the source of these experiences? Do I think some of the manifestations was not of God? God wouldn't do that. Why would God do that? And it felt like a bolt of electricity hit me in the chest. Not just me, the two ushers with me. It was as though a thousand volts of electricity is going through me. The minute I took one step in the fire tunnel, I felt an overwhelming sense of fear. Do I think some of the manifestations was actually demonic? Yes, 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 yes. Right, and that's key, what he just said there. Yes, 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 some of the manifestations were demonic. And that's what can happen in the midst of even, if I may say, uh, a, a true move of, move of God. If God is truly moving upon people, there can be and there likely will be manifestations that are not the Holy Spirit. Like, you know, if you're going to ask what spirit is behind this manifestation, it's not always going to be the Holy Spirit because by nature, when the Holy Spirit enters the room, you know what I mean by that? If he if he's coming upon people, demons will also manifest because, well, they will try and bring in confusion. And also they just get uncomfortable and, and, are, and are exposed by the Holy Spirit. And then they need to be cast out. And as soon as she pulls her hand away from me, she looks at me and she says, you have unforgiveness in your heart. What we really are doing is we're manipulating yeah. people. Did it have its issues? A hundred percent. But the fruit of what God did in Toronto is evident globally. And I can point to hundreds, if not thousands of testimonies of the amazing things, including my own life, that God did through Toronto. If you want to see the real power of God unleashed, it's not in fake signs and wonders. The real power of God is the gospel. So, you know, I, I understand what he's saying, but at the same time, you know, uh, to say, uh, look, I know the gentleman who just spoke, he's a cessationist, and I know what he actually means by that is that God does not move by signs and wonders at all. And and so it's easy to just call everything fake. You know, there are fake things, absolutely, you know, and and no doubt about that. I'm not, defend, I'm not saying otherwise, but at the same time, it's easy to then say, well, everything is fake. It's easy to paint everything with a broad brush and say, yeah, that's not not how God does things anymore. Now, actually, God has been doing that and he still does things that way. God does still show up in power, signs and wonders and miracles. In Acts chapter 2, he says, in the last days, I will come with signs and wonders. I will come and give my old men, young men, everyone dreams and visions and speak to them in that way. Uh, and he said that all of this right after speaking in tongues happened as an explanation of what just happened so that the people can understand that these are signs of the end and, and the last days. And we are still, if, if they were in the last days 2,000 years ago, what are we in? We're in the last days, right? So, no, like I understand, but at the same time, you have to realize that God does still work in these ways, just not, and, and, and we have to make that separation and understand that, yeah, there are charlatans, yeah, there are fake things, yeah, there's people trying to manufacture things, but there is a move of the Holy Spirit that is real too. And if we believe that, uh, the, the, if we don't believe that, we have really taken the bait because Satan's plan with the the counterfeits and the false stuff, 
His main plan is, is actually what I believe to be to, to cause you to deny the authentic so that when Satan does something that kind of looks like the authentic, but, but not right. Then when the authentic comes around, it's like, oh, that's just what that's just like the fake stuff, isn't it? And then the enemy is like, then the enemy has been successful in disarming the people of God from walking in the power of the spirit and what he really walks, wants them to walk in. Just because Simon the sorcerer was up to no good trying to 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 monetize the Holy Spirit, just because he was doing that, Peter resisted him and didn't allow him to. And that was not going to be like, oh, look, Simon wants to do it. So therefore, all this stuff is fake. No, just because people try and abuse it doesn't speak of what the real thing is. John G. Lake is presented as being this phenomenal healer credited with hundreds of thousands of healings, miracles, visions, prophecies. I said, God, would you give me the mantle of William Branham? I was born and raised in the Branham message cult following. This was a movement that was not of God in any way, shape or form. It's been said that those who are cessationists believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Scripture. And we've essentially ruled out the role and function of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, to a degree. But nothing could be farther from the truth. I absolutely believe that God still physically heals people today. I believe God can do miracles. I believe He will do miracles. But only when it is His sovereign will to do so. They, they always say this. I'm sorry. Like, you know, they, they all the cessationists love to say that, oh, God, we believe God has miracles. We believe God can heal people. We believe he can do this and that. But when it's done through a vessel of God, when God does it through someone, that's what they say can't happen. You know, they, they say, oh, God can sovereignly just heal you when no one is looking or when no, let me say, when no one is, is laying hands on you, but he can't do it through someone else. Because see, what the spiritual gifts are, is it's saying that God can gift someone in a moving of the Holy Spirit and move through their vessel to heal someone or to give a word or whatever it is. So, so yeah, they, they just don't believe it can be done through a person, but they believe it can be done not through a person, but the, the pattern through scripture, even from the Torah, from Genesis to Revelation has been that God does things through his people. That has been Acts. That has been Acts chapter two. That has been where what Peter prophesied would happen in the last days. That is what Yeshua said, go into the world, proclaim the gospel. Believers will lay their hands on the sick and they'll recover. Believers will speak in new tongues. Believers, believers, believers will do these things. It's kind of almost like he wants to use believers. He's already revealed his will. His will is to heal everyone. But there's something about hearing a physician say to you, I think that you'll be lucky to have six months. It's hard to hear. It is really hard to hear. Christ is the ascended king. He has triumphed. We share in that triumph. That doesn't mean that we stand in front of graves and call people out of their graves. The book of Acts is not given to us to attempt to reenact. The real question Whoa. is... The, the book of Acts has not been given to us to reenact? What has it been given for? 
Come on, like the, the the scriptures have been given to us as as an example, as a teaching tool, and the Book of Acts, probably for most of all, is a model of the early church and the church that we are supposed to be. That is why it was given as a historical record for us. We're not supposed to imitate the early church. Well, then what church do we imitate? And perhaps that is just everything that is wrong with the modern church today, as we're not imitating the church of the Bible, a biblical church anymore. We're imitating a different type of church that we have invented through our traditions. And what we have decided is church. Is what is normative? My guest has raised 37 people from the dead. Where's the proof of this? I do know people who raised more people from the dead than Jesus did. Jesus didn't do miracles to show us what God could do. Jesus' statement is not that hard to understand. Greater means greater, and the works he referred to are signs and wonders. He didn't perform miracles to show what he could do. It's meant to make you think that you are at the same level of Jesus. Uh, I don't. I, I, I don't know if I agree. I don't know who really thinks that. You know, maybe someone does, but a majority of people who desire to walk in the Holy Spirit aren't trying to be equal with Jesus. I think most people realize the poverty of of where we're at. You know, and that we need Him, and we're not. We need His sacrifice. That's the gospel message. So, if you're a believer by definition, you don't believe that. Uh, if you did, you don't even need to be a believer in Jesus or follow Jesus because you don't need Jesus because you're enough on your own without Jesus. And but but he did call us to imitate him. He did. Paul said, "Even imitate me as I imitate Christ." And so that means that we will do the things that Christ did do. Whatever he did, I can do. He came to illustrate what a human being could do. He performed miracles to show what you can do. And the more that happens through Christians, it doesn't detract from what Jesus did. Christ is unique. It brings glory to the main work that he did. That's true. It, it brings glory to what he did. That's why when Peter and, his, and Yeshua's other disciples went out, they did similar works to what he did, right? They went and they healed the sick as well. They went and they raised the dead too, may I say. And... They did it, and it didn't detract. It wasn't like, well, Peter, are you trying to be like Jesus? Like, yes, he was trying to be like Jesus, because that's what the disciple is. He wasn't seeing himself as equal with his master, because, of course, that's not true. But he recognized that what he was doing was giving glory to the, the most important work of Christ, that is the work of salvation and drawing people to him. They can't duplicate these miracles, no matter how hard they try. Maybe we're not reading the New Testament correctly. I would say one of the greatest sins is the church just sitting in a pew, building this, and not actually going and doing what Jesus actually did, and not That's going to the poor, the sick, the needy, and the broken. Everybody skips over those verses. Apostolic anointing, and so we just rip it right out of the ground. We just suck it right off his dead body. Okay, so now we're moving into a place where they're talking about the grave. They're going to talk about grave soaking, I, I presume. Uh, let me just say about the grave soaking, of course, it's ridiculous, it's it's heretical, it's uh, to go to a graveyard and, and, and lay on the graves of other people hoping to get their anointing. Okay, yeah, we're, it's 
very strange as strange can get. This guy who is talking right now is a heretic and everyone knows that uh, there are, I, I, I see this is another case of a minority of minority of minorities um, being you know taken out here and, and pushed onto this movie to show and it's kind of a again a lumping in of but if you talk about uh, i'm pretty sure if you ask everyone who's so far appeared in this movie and by the way i i don't agree with almost anyone on everything okay just to get that out of the way so my, i'm not endorsing necessarily everyone who's appearing in this right but i am very sure that most of them do not actually believe this guy to be a true believer because he even himself calls himself a mystic so let's just take get that out of the way another question mark as to why this is here i guess it's because it's in interesting and controversial and yeah it'll get people talk talking in jesus name i don't think you have to be a cessationist for example to be concerned about adopting new age and or pagan and occult practices so as an apostolic team with the authority that god's given to us i really believe they're yeah, that's strange that was strange taking the lord of the rings scene and trying to Why'd you do that, guys? I don't know why you do that. Uh, see, I understand. You know, when things like that happen, it's like then you get a lot of people. They look at that and they're like, "Yeah, everything that a guy like that 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 those people ever talk about must be like from Satan himself, right?" And and that would be erroneous to do, but it happens because there was something erroneous that happened, right? So, guys, God calls us to discernment. And they believe they have apostolic authorities. We decree and declare that racism will end. It's it's blasphemous and sad. Thinking that somehow they can recreate a scene from the Lord of the Rings. No shall not pass. Do you feel like you backed into a boring, dead form of Christianity when you moved out of the NAR movement? No, if anything, I came to life. How was I so prideful? How was I so entitled? I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Good to see you. Good to see you too. So, stationist, continuationist, yes. best buddies, tell the people how it happened, I guess. This isn't about Pentecostalism. Like you know, I like, I like how they're trying to bridge the gap, trying to show unity, trying to have discussion. I appreciate this part, and I think that this is what's needed. Um, it's really neat. That conversation is really important for us to really um, discard a lot of the misconceptions that everyone has of one another because there are a lot of them. Someone as like myself who's kind of sitting here in the middle, kind of looking here, kind of looking there, I, I, I really have found value in um, uh, the Holy Spirit and I found value in the truth that God has given us. And I think that there's a whole lot of people who are passionate about one or the other, but not of both. And they don't even realize it. And they don't even realize that the people that they are against have things that they can learn from. And that humility is very important. So 
I like this. Versus Reformed theology. This is about misrepresenting something beautiful and edifying and sovereignly given by the Holy Spirit. You know, the scripture says that God hates unequal weights and measures. And, and that's what grieves me as I see some of this trailer. I know there's an attempt to be balanced, but I could make a whole documentary of all those that came out of cessationist churches and had their spiritual life totally transformed when they came into the things of the spirit, the power of the spirit, churches that were totally transformed. And I could do a whole documentary about those that, that left charismatic Pentecostal churches and, and left some of these spiritual movements and went into cessationist church or reformed church and, and their faith became bankrupt and they fell away from the Lord. I could do a video about that. I could blast okay. seminaries and say there are seminaries where you have to pay money to learn how to preach the Word of God or how to pastor a church or how to study the Bible. I mean, we've got to be careful when we caricature and paint certain pictures. You want to know who the real Bill Johnson is? Watch the sermon he preached after losing his wife to cancer after years of praying for a healing. Friends, it's important we come with equal weights, equal measures. That's why I'm part of this documentary. Man, I agreed to do this interview because truly I love the body of Christ. And uh, with all of its blemishes, differences, um, I love the body of Christ. I grew up in more of a Calvinist church. And so I have lots of friends that, that might disagree with me theologically, but yet we still have a very yeah, close friendship and close relationship. And I, I love iron sharpening iron. And I think that it's really important to hear multiple aspects and multiple sides, not so that we just are in full agreement, but I think the more we hear from our brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, the stronger we are, <sighs> the better we are, and the more kind we of sad. I love, you know, so they're assuring us to why they're they're partaking in this interview and you know i have to say that i i appreciate the effort but to to this has not been unbiased at all uh not balanced at all uh this has been a uh, a video that's been very focused on let's just be honest about on the one side of things so I think what's very important, brothers and sisters, to really think about here is and when we're trying to engage in conversations with people, like I am all for addressing the errors of the past regarding how the charismatic movement have made big mistakes and even have allowed big uh, erroneous teachings in. And I intend, you know, with our ministry to not make and repeat those mistakes in any way and to keep corruptions out as much as I can. And at, at my level of, you know, whatever I can do and what I can influence. But then on the other hand, I think it's important to, for the other side, for my cessationist brother or sisters or practical cessationist brother or sisters to, to also consider that, you know, there is a whole spectrum of believers on this side aware of continuationism who believe in the gifts of the spirit and the, how they're important for today. And they are not all the Bethel churches, Bill Johnson's or Kenneth Copeland's of the world. There are many people who even agree, I mean, disagree strongly with some of those and, 
and probably agree with, with the majority of doctrine that many cessationists hold to in other senses. And so this conversation is being, is you can see that the Holy Spirit is working in the hearts of people to drive them. Like the, the making of this movie in of itself is a, is a wonderful thing that the, the desire to to have this conversation that I believe is of the spirit, but then we have to make sure that the way we go about that is not just uh, to for sensational reasons. You know, I'm I'm not necessarily saying that that's uh, I can't uh, judge the movie before it's been released. But just based off the trailer, it's uh, I don't have high hopes. So let me say for a balanced outlook or in discussion, really, the, the, the latter discussions there and interviews were were more encouraging. But that was probably one minute of the trailer or two minutes of the, of the whole thing. So so we have much to learn. All of us, I have much to learn. But let's seek the father and let's seek to actually imitate Yeshua. Let's seek to actually imitate the early church. And let's not seek to make excuses as to why we don't look like them. That's where I'll leave with you. Share with me in the comments below what you thought about this trailer. I'd love to hear your perspective. May God bless you and keep you. Shine his face upon you and give you his shalom. I'll see you guys in the next one.